This is deep dish, right? Yeah, well, let's get deep. So, so I'm, I'm going deep on both sides. Dr. Battle, welcome to the Deep Dish Conversations platform for the first time. How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing amazing. Good. I'm doing amazing. Um, how's life for you? Just how's things going, like, in general? Things are going well. Um, you know, we're moving along in the school year, so I'm doing my educator thing, um, yeah. leading the school district, working with my wonderful colleagues, mm -hmm. educating our kids, connecting with our families. I'm in the community, right. and then on the personal note, my kids are thriving, they're in school, they're loving learning, so we're yeah. going to keep that joy of learning going. Yeah. Um, so everything is going well. Man, I, I, I want to get straight into it, and everybody, if you don't know Dr. Battle, the director of MMPS Schools, then you can go Google, you know, we ain't, we ain't got to go through your background on that, but I want to kind of get into some, some things that are kind of just current, right? Okay. Um, and it's just interesting to get your thought and perspective on what you initially thought when the school shooting happened uh, at Covenant High School here in Nashville. Um, what was your initial thoughts as a director of all of our public schools here? Um, and kind of, did you, did you look at anything public safety-wise differently that we were already doing and say, hey, good thing we already had something in place, or hey, like this is an opportunity to maybe to add more to that? Yeah, you know, on March 27th of um, this year, um, we had a tragic incident that happened or occurred at Covenant School. Uh, which is really in the backyard of Metro Nashville um, Public Schools. It, um, I consider it the um, closest kind of drill without something actually happening in one of our own schools um, for us to really be reflective around um, our practices, our procedures, both in safety and security. Um, I will tell you just as a professional educator, the moment you hear something like that, your heart aches, right? Because we're talking about young people. We're talking about kids. Um, we're talking about professional educators who are servant leaders, public servants, um, giving all that they have um, to make sure that our young people have what they need to thrive. And, you know, that particular situation happened in a school, but it's happening in all types of places, churches and malls. I mean, you name it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's a sad kind of um, season, if you will, um, yeah. for us in our country um, to have to deal with active shooter situations. But immediately my heart ached. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, because of some of the structures we have in place, I was caught up to speed pretty quickly about uh, what was happening. But quite honestly, after ensuring that our students in Metro National Public Schools were safe, mm -hmm. uh, we just spurred into action. Yeah. I mean, it was an opportunity to really demonstrate what it means to um, really care deeply about all students. Yeah. Um, regardless of the school you attend, regardless of the community that you live and learn in, I care about young people. Right. I care about our youth. And so we spurred into action. Um, it gave us an opportunity to launch some of our own responses with regards to our transportation services, uh, with regards to our school counselors and our psychologists. Um, how our support hub responds and communicates. Mm -hmm. And so um, we just were able to lend our resources, talent, and expertise to support the families yeah. um, impacted by, um, at that point in time, a lot that they did not know right. um, had transpired on their campus. Um, it also gave us an opportunity to double down on the practices that we have in Metro National Public Schools. Mm -hmm. um, we felt pretty strong about a lot of the measures we had in place. But it gave us an opportunity once again to think about national best practices and strategies mm -hmm. um, to make sure that we were going after as much as possible to do right. two things, 
I mean, increase the security of our facilities, making sure we have safety plans in place. But at the same time, we're talking about our youngest learners as early as three through our high school students learning in joyful, um, enriching learning environments. So we we wanted to take a deeper look at the balance between the two um, and are very proud around um, lots of the safety measures and security measures we have in place. Mm -hmm. It is part of continuous improvement, making sure the investments are there so we can maintain those measures and also continue to enhance over time. And that kind of leads into public safety. It just so happened that uh, Tuesday, um, Metro Council, they approved a $3.3 million partial uh, salary funding for SROs, which if people, everybody didn't go to the meeting. I know everybody ain't going to Metro meetings, but it, it wouldn't affect anything, current number of SROs like today, currently. Um, but when you think about public safety, when you think about what is occurred just nationally, um, do you see a need for the SRO program to kind of expand uh, throughout our public schools? Or are we in a good position now to say, okay, maybe we can, we, middle schools and high schools is we, okay, maybe we don't need to expand the elementary schools yet, or is that something we should be you know, rethinking? I think we've got to continually think about it all, all okay. the time. I think we'll never, unfortunately, we'll probably never get to a point where we can stop thinking about what's next and how can we improve our practices. Listen, I'm gonna be very transparent around this conversation. Uh, Most everyone in the community knows I'm a native Nashvillian. I'm a product of Metro Nashville Public Schools. Almost my entire career has been serving in Metro Nashville Public Schools. We, even as a high school student, um, we had SROs in our schools. And we're talking about several years ago. We'll just say that. Um, And through my experience as a student and also as a professional educator, I've not once experienced a time in which our SROs in Nashville um, have exhibited any malpractice or anything that would go against what we would desire for our students. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we've been working over the years to strengthen that. Um, Our communication uh, with our local um, uh, law enforcement, um, our memorandum of understanding around Mm -hmm. expectations, I'm being clear that in Nashville, our SROs are not a part of our disciplinary procedures. And that was brought up, too, I believe, on Tuesday mm-hmm. about that memorandum of mm-hmm. MOU. And is there room to improve that? Is there room to polish that? So I think more so the public understands mm-hmm. the responsibilities mm-hmm. um, of SROs. And when they, when they, if they do get involved in disciplinary actions, what does that actually mm-hmm. look like? Yeah, yeah. So I'm not here to speak on behalf of MMPD and Chief Drake. Um, He can speak very intelligently and responsibly Mm -hmm. to this topic. But what I will say is that there's always a need for continued communication Mm -hmm. and really digging in around the narrative um, around specific topics like this. What typically happens is that something happens hundreds of miles from Nashville. And rightly so, we try to think about and apply those situations to what might be happening locally. Um, Again, we're fortunate that that's not necessarily been our reality. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that we don't have spaces that we need to dig into. The school to prison pipeline is and should continue to be a focus for educators, for families, and for communities. We want to disrupt those systems that tend to lead to an overrepresentation, particularly mm-hmm. of black and brown students or youth in that particular situation. Right. What I can share is my commitment, my colleagues' commitment, our Board of Education commitment to making sure we're putting policies and procedures in place 
that nurture our students, that protect our students, that helps them grow, and that are restorative in nature. Um, I, I, I will not say that there will never be a time that an SRO responds to a situation at a school. There are times, and they're there for those particular emergencies and situations. Right. If there is a law broken, if there's an active shooter mm -hmm. situation, if there's a weapon right. um, on, on, on campus, mm -hmm. I mean, they are there to respond to that. Those things are against the law. Right. If there is um, a threat of mass violence, we need them there to respond swiftly to the right. needs um, of our students. But I also want to take a step back from kind of the national conversation around those external threats. Mm -hmm. Right now there's lots of attention on the active shooter situations, which mm -hmm. we have to be very mindful and responsive to. Right. They're also there to maintain the daily, you know, just focus on our kids. Right. They're not interrupting the instruction um, of our classrooms and they're not disciplinarians on our campus but they are there to make sure that our young people, that our educators, that our support staff, our leaders right. can teach and learn in safe environments. And so there, there is a space, but there is intentionality mm -hmm. that needs to incur um, based upon what happens in a high school, right. a middle school, and an elementary school. And I think we could all agree that what happens in an elementary school should not look the same way as it does in a high school. Right. And so we're being very thoughtful um, about that. We have things we have to consider like workforce demands and investments mm -hmm. to maintain, um, but we're going to leverage the investments we have right. to do the very best we can to keep everyone safe and secure. And I also want to tell you, uh, Dr. Jackson at uh, National State told me to tell you, hey, I just talked to her not too long ago, and the better together and everything. Absolutely. So she had nothing but good things to say. She is a great colleague and partner in this work. I hope yeah. we get an opportunity to <laughs> yeah. talk about yeah. what we're working on to make sure that our students are thriving beyond their high school graduation. But that and you brought up, because when we started talking, we were talking about equity a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it was fascinating to me because you had brought up like the school to prison pipeline, mm -hmm. and I brought up to Dr. Jackson. I said, I don't think people realize like how, like, what type of great position Nashville is in. Because right now, when you talk about school to prison pipeline, you're talking about MPD in public schools, right? And you have a black chief, you have a black school director of school, and also you have a black president mm -hmm. of a community college here. And that's just, that's just great opportunity to want, if you do have questions, you can ask, but Absolutely. you have people with lived experiences that are disproportionately affected by the school to prison pipeline. Um, and as I was telling you, I talked to Ashford and uh, mm -hmm. Christian Bugs about this as well. Um, and this kind of leads into equity and also the gentrification that's mm -hmm. happening in our inner city. Yeah. And I'm curious to, if you have black parents specifically come and talk to you about those kind of disparities in discipline, mm -hmm. the fear of SROs, mm -hmm. but also how the changing environment mm -hmm. affects maybe their education because, you know, our school, public school system don't look like our demographic of Nashville. So it's like, where where are the other kids going? What's, what's going on? Could you speak to that a little bit? I know that's a loaded, yeah, and so take is, your time. I'm going to do the best I can here. You just cut me off yeah. if I if I get long-winded. Um, let's see, where do I start? Um, first and foremost, I'm a mom of two mm -hmm. African-American boys that are growing and learning tremendously in Metro National Public Schools. And again, I'm a graduate of Metro National Public Schools as well. Um, so this topic and all the topics we've hit on are near and dear to my heart right. in, in many ways. Right. Um, so we do have conversations with our families. Um, sometimes those conversations and questions come to me. Quite frankly, we're being intentional about going out into the community mm -hmm. to, to seek 
feedback and to um, connect with our family so we understand deeply um, their concerns and more importantly the opportunities to get this right um, for for our families. You know, I tell people all the time when we try to have a um, kind of siloed, isolated conversation in Metro National Public Schools about equity, it doesn't work that way. Mm. Equity is the work of Metro National Public Schools. We are here to ensure that every student is known and that requires of us to make sure that we understand our students' unique needs Mm. and we meet those needs in a timely manner. Whatever students need, we need to make sure that we're being responsive um, to that need. And so equity is what we do, yeah. right? There is there is no conversation I'm going to have with anybody about our educational work and our perspective that doesn't include our work around equity. We have an equity matrix. We've launched an equity roadmap. We're on an equity tour within our community um, right now to just keep digging deeper and to continue to solve some, some of the problems. I mean, by the way, we're talking about centuries right. of racial segregation and oppression. Mm-hmm. We're not going to overcome that overnight. And in fact, it's not just the school district's responsibility to solve right. it alone. Right. And so we're thinking about that asset mapping. What is it going to take? You mentioned, you know, having an African American chief of police and superintendent and 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 college president, right? Like, it, those are huge steps in the right direction. The representation matters. Right. We deal with all types of things on a daily basis. And don't get me wrong, we are no charity case because I serve students and families who have talents and aspirations and they're gonna meet those talents and aspirations. But they're challenges, they're complex. When we're talking about affordable housing, you know, it is difficult for families, more specifically black and brown families, to remain in the core of Nashville because it is so expensive. You think about the quality of instruction and education for our students, do you know how difficult it is to retain and recruit the most qualified candidates Mm-hmm. professional educators that look like our students to stay here and serve. Right. I mean, we're think, thinking deeply around our strategies and how we disrupt those mm-hmm. systems, um, particularly in a system that wasn't created to serve our students and our families well. Right. We see it all, but mm-hmm. we're trying to be as responsive as possible right. to level the playing field, right? Level the playing field with the understanding that, I mean, I love this quote where we just par- recently partnered with a group, the Educational Um, Equity Lab, and um, their president shared a quote with me on the first call, and I knew we were going to be a great partner, and she said, every student has talent. It's evenly distributed. What is not evenly distributed is the opportunities, Mm. right? And so we're trying to aggressively, with a sense of urgency, close the opportunity gap for our students, but we can't do it alone. We need the community, we need our business community, we need Mm -hmm. our elected officials, we need everyone to come together to help try to solve this at a a quicker and faster rate. What is that that conversation, I guess, it'll probably be towards the mayor's administration and our new mayor, Freddie O'Connell now, about that intersection between healthy education and having affordable housing mm-hmm. or having access access to healthy foods, nutritional foods, because a lot of those times in the inner city have food deserts. Mm-hmm. Like, what what does that intersect with being superintendent <laughs> and, like, making sure, like, yeah, we want our, our kids, our students to perform well, mm-hmm. but it's kind of hard to do when all these other social aspects that it is not my kind of responsibility to take care of, yeah. but it directly impacts yeah. its performances. Yeah. I and myself and my school board have to be advocates mm-hmm. in every way. 
you know, I'm a professional educator. What I do well is educate right. kids, right? But being in a role like superintendent, mm -hmm. you also have to have the ability to bring the realities, mm -hmm. the individual student stories, um, what's impacting our families to the table, mm -hmm. so that those who have the authority and power to make different decisions, that they are empowered with information to do so. Um, and so I spend a lot of time in our schools. I mean, right. I there is nothing that gives me more joy right. than being in the school, uh, working with students, working with teachers and principals. I start every week unless there is just something wild um, that pulls me away from it inside of school. Yep. That's the first thing I do um, every, every, every week. Um, and it's because that's what should keep us grounded. Mm -hmm. The reason that myself and our school board are able to articulate right. the deep needs of our community, mm -hmm. one, many of us grew up <laughs> right yeah. here in Nashville. Many of us, all of us who have kids on the, on the school board and administration have our kids in Metro Nashville Public Schools, but we spend time yeah. in our communities, in our schools, having the conversations you asked me about earlier, yeah. getting the feedback around what's impacting right. um, our families. You know, and, and this is kind of an old saying, people say a hungry child can't learn, right. right? So what do we do? We collect our data, mm -hmm. we work with our experts, our nutrition team, our chefs um, inside of our schools. We understand what's happening with regards to nutrition right. um, through our nursing program. We pull that information together and we go advocate. Right. We go advocate to Metro Council, we go advocate to the mayor. Mm -hmm. I mean, and this is a success story, right. particularly around nutrition. We now, as a school district, are able to offer no cost breakfast and lunch wow. to our students. We have dreamed of being in that space for so long. Yeah. Now we're excited to be here today, mm -hmm. but let's not forget how many decades it's, it's been, the generations yeah. that we've missed yeah. in being able to provide that one basic need yeah. to ensure that our students are ready to learn. Yeah. Um, do you feel like, this is probably me more on a personal level, mm -hmm. right? The expectations. Do you feel community has a clear understanding <laughs> of like, like, yeah, I care about a lot of things, mm -hmm. but this is what I actually can do when it comes uh, to public schools here in Davidson County. Do you, yeah. do you feel like us as a community have a clear understanding of that? And if not, like... Yeah. So, if you don't mind me first stating, um, when it comes to accountability, mm -hmm. there is not anyone or any organization that's going to hold myself and my team and our school board more accountable mm -hmm. than we hold ourselves. Okay. Um, as I said, this is what I do. Right. I, what I know how to do is educate our students, pour into our teachers and our leaders mm -hmm. so that we're all moving towards our North Star, which is to be the premier large school district in Tennessee and beyond. I mean, our mantra is really grounded in your question, every student known. Mm -hmm. And that really came from feedback from our stakeholders, what our students wanted to know, what our parents wanted to know, what our teachers wanted to know, that we understood their needs yeah. and that we were going to be responsive to it. Mm -hmm. Now, to the deeper component <laughs> of your question, everything, most of the time, feels like a priority mm -hmm. to everybody, right. right? And so you have pockets of preference mm -hmm. and prioritization. Okay. And so what we try to do is to recognize everything really is a priority. Mm -hmm. But what is the priority right. right now? And as a professional educator, it's my responsibility to dig into what is the priority right now? I understand we want X, but until we get A, B, and C accomplished, mm -hmm. it's going to be nearly impossible right. 
right. to, if we get to X, it's going to be nearly impossible to have a continuity, yeah. um, right, a sustainability model mm -hmm. to continue that going. We have lots of nice, shiny things that we hear about right. in education all the time. And a lot of times it's a distraction right. to foundationally making sure and ensuring that every student has what they need. Right. So we try to focus in on what we call our focused outcomes. We are clear. My team is clear about what we're trying to achieve every year on behalf of our students. Literacy, numeracy, their social emotional learning needs, their ability to transition and have a toolbox and be ready for each um, elevation in their educational career. But you're right. I mean, it can it can be a bit overwhelming yeah. at times because um, there are so many levers you can pull on around education, right. and we're trying to, um, in our work, um, our Metro Schools Reimagine work, foundationally, regardless if Dr. Battle is here, regardless if Christian Bug is here, or Ashby Hughes is here, but this work continues right. because that's what our students deserve. I have to ask this question to you. Um, many people believe that public schools here in Davis County is I won't say many, a lot of people think, you know, uh, especially I think new residents, newcomers who may look at Tennessee as a whole and say, ah, if you look at the country, when it comes to our public education, ah, we, do, we don't rank so well. And then we look at Davis County, it's like selective schools, like, oh, this, this school and that school, I'm going to try to send my kids to that school, but uh, if I can't get them, I'm going to go to an alternative choice. Um, what do you say to a People have lived here, natives like me and you, those who are coming that have you know, been here a year or two, um, if they have a hesitancy about investing, when I say investing, putting your children mm -hmm. in public schools here in Davidson County. Right, right. I mean, the first thing I would encourage um, anyone in our area or interested in our schools or has a thought mm -hmm. about our schools for that matter um, is actually to come visit and see a school, mm -hmm. right? A lot of times when there's narratives that are created around our schools, and let's just be frank about this, it typically happens in certain communities right. uh, where these perceptions are formed. Um, they've not stepped foot in the school building mm -hmm. or a single classroom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to try to kind of quantify like all the years of education in Metro National Public Schools, but what I can um, state is that Metro National Public Schools is actually a very different school system than we were pre-pandemic. Okay. Um, we are really reimagining. We are kind of pushing the edges mm -hmm. <laughs> around innovation and transformation to give our students what they need. Right. Um, and so I would encourage anyone to actually come into our schools right. um, and really see. I've, I've not had a single person um, share with me that after visiting the school, they didn't mm -hmm. see something great. I got another one for you. All right? Perception <laughs> of natives. We're going to talk about Oh, it. well, okay. Well, let me, let me yeah, finish go, this one. We're yeah. going to talk about natives. We're going to talk about <laughs> natives, because that's okay. who it is, I think. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, you're probably right. Um, but, but let's also talk about the investments it mm -hmm. takes to move our schools forward as well. I mean, the community has heard me say this and share this multiple times. Our school district, unfortunately, has been woefully underfunded. Right. Um, and so we have a very inverted kind of triangle, if you will, with regards to how we're funded. Most school districts receive a larger portion <laughs> of their funding from the state. Um, what That is not true for Metro National Public Schools. The majority of our funding comes from our local city mm -hmm. government which we're extremely thankful for um, because they're really helping us close some of the gaps 
um, that have existed for far too long. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you see that, and you don't get to do things like I've done this week, I, I, I have um, I had a groundbreaking for a new school um, out in Southeast. Right. Like, so when you're not investing in your facilities, right. when you're not investing in resources and, and the people and the educators and the experts to be inside of our buildings, you know, perceptions shape right. um, in that way. And I cannot sit here and say that I don't believe there has been some intentionality right. around that. We're trying to disrupt that. We're yeah. trying to make sure that not only in facilities and transportation and nutrition, mm -hmm. the things that we can own right. uh, within our school system, that we're truly doing something about it. But the reality is, is for far too long, mm -hmm. the investments were not coming to Nashville, to Metro Nashville Public Schools, to do what was right by our students right. and our staff. Right, and, 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 and this is good because there's a lot of people that are new to Nashville that listen to the podcast and watch it, and they, and they come here and they miss the history. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They say, well, how did we get here? Well, you just, you just got a summary right there. Uh, natives. And I hear this all the time from my family members. And I can't say I haven't wrestled with this myself as I have a, a three-year-old that eventually be in public schools, but had to go to school at some point. Um, but it's like we look at our own experiences last, a lot of times, right? And we don't think about all the other things. We just look like, man, I had this in my school. I had that in my school. Um, and a lot of times in particular schools, is the inner city schools, right? It may be your Pearl Cones where I went to, or your Weiss Creeks, mm -hmm. or your Maple Woods, your Strappers, your Hunter Lanes. You know, I don't know if y'all was cutting up over there, Overton. I'm not sure. But, <laughs> we but, did but, pretty good. <laughs> we were, we were pretty tame. <laughs> but we, but we, we, as we, mm -hmm. we look at, we look back and say, dang, is that the experience? Do I want my child mm -hmm. to have? And then I think this is where those narratives come from. How do we combat that? How, what are, what are, what are... So that, that's, a, that's a great um, great point. And again, we're both natives sitting right. here. And um, you know, I was just having a conversation um, last week with one of our principals at one of the schools you just named. And um, I was recently out there because we, um, again, thankful to Mayor Cooper, the council, um, and the Titans who invested in um, artificial turf on in our stadiums. Oh, wow. um, and so I was out there. I haven't missed one yet. I don't plan to because it's exciting for our community. Mm -hmm. um, but I got there and I, it was packed. Like we we had not had a crowd like this from our community on that school campus in years. Wow. And so I was talking to the principal about it, and I you know I turned around. I looked up in the stands. It was not a place to sit. And I said, this is what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. like the community really being a part um, of our schools. We want our schools to be the hub of the community, but the specific question was, how can we, because we're on the move, mm -hmm. because we're on track, our North Star is before us, we are on a path mm -hmm. towards success. Now is the time to make sure that our alumni, mm -hmm. that our families within our community are part of everything that we're doing. Yeah. How do we... You know, there's there's so much pride in Metro National Public Schools. Yeah. I mean, you you name those schools, you yeah. name schools on the other side. People yeah. are proud of the schools that they graduated from. Mm -hmm. They question sometimes, particularly now that things have evolved a lot, did I really get what I deserved mm -hmm. while I was there? And that's a fair question. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is now we've got to kind of step into the 21st century, where we are, yeah. and assess it in a different way. And that's why I encourage our communities, um, our community leaders, our alumni, 
get back to your school environment. Mm -hmm. Get to know what's happening right now. Advocate yeah. for the things. I mean, we don't even want to lose those traditions. Yeah. It's not about completely kind of dishing what we were doing. Mm -hmm. It's about how do we use those traditions and successes yeah. to make sure this new generation of students mm -hmm. have that plus yeah. being able to respond to the demands of the world today. And so I would encourage people to, to come into our schools. We welcome you. But I'm also encouraging my own colleagues and, and team members to reach out, yeah. to have an open door policy. Like, how are we welcoming um, those who've been within our school system in the past to come back? And just a little, you know, kind of tidbit here about my aspirations of being an educator. When I graduated from high school, I share the story all the time. Talking to my friends and colleagues, some of them who went to the same school, sat in some of the same classes, some who went to schools across the city, mm -hmm. their experiences were so much different than yeah. mine. That kind of makes me angry. Yeah. Why? Right? And so we're trying to design a system that truly does work yeah. for all of the students we serve. One of the things I noticed, like going to that same kind of point from my experience, sitting in the same classes, going to mm -hmm. for all four years of high school, mm -hmm. is and this is this is gonna be a, we're gonna see how this goes. The parent involvement mm -hmm. I seen was different on different levels, which I think ultimately kind of shaped the experience you had or didn't have. And I bring it up because a lot of times I believe some of our parents and guardians may put everything on a school, on a teacher, on a principal. What are ways that parents or yeah. guardians that have children in our mm -hmm. metro national public schools can maybe? Yeah play a part in that experience, making sure it's the best and healthy experiences and not just, okay, yeah. you yeah. go to school, then you come home and, right. you know, you maybe do your homework and not, and it happens. We're not going to, it happens, right? right? right. What, what, and, and what are things that, you know, parents who may feel like they want to do that, but maybe don't have the tools or resources. Is there yeah. things built in yeah. that they can take a part of so they can be an advocate right. at home yeah. and not just, you know, have advocates in the school? Yeah, we're grappling with that every day. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, my personal philosophy, my professional philosophy is that I'm not going to blame parents. I do yeah. believe that our parents are doing the best that they can yeah. with what they have. And they are attempting right. in every way possible to send us their best student right. um, every day. But if I went back to some of the things that we're seeing in our community, gentrification, yeah. um, you know, uh, unaffordable housing, nutrition, mm -hmm. and not having access to health care. Transportation. I mean, transportation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. like, it is impacting. Like, we talk about it from an educational standpoint. Mm -hmm. Those same families, when they go home, are being impacted by the disparities we see across um, our city. But what I will say is parent engagement is critical mm -hmm. to our ability to maximize the potential of every student. Um, and so we're thinking about it in, in, in every way. We are um, training our, our school teams around effective parent engagement mm -hmm. opportunities. We are breaking down any barriers to their access and how they can actually right. do it, when they can do it, before school, during yeah. school, after school, go out to the, to the football field, and yeah. whatever it takes to make sure that we create I mean, what's important here is to create an entry point yeah. for every parent, no matter where they are, exactly. that they can actively and um, productively participate in their child's educational experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we, we're always kind of um, rethinking and reinventing ways to engage families. I, yeah. I have an event, it'll be my first time doing an event um, coming up of which I'm um, doing a, another version of a director's cabinet 
where I've um, like looked at our student population, the students we're serving. I'm like, I need to talk to you, 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 and you, yeah. right? Yeah. And I want to say, and we're going to treat them well, and we're going to come in, and we just want to talk. I just want to hear from yeah. our families. Um, and this isn't about me. Yeah. This is uh, this is going to be curated in a way for me to learn from them what mm -hmm. we can do to better support them yeah. with those access points. Yeah. And so we have a responsibility. Our parents have a responsibility. Our community has a responsibility. Mm -hmm. We always talk about it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. Nashville, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, it might not be physically birth-wise your child, but right. every child matters. When I was a young kid in Nashville, I couldn't walk down the street without every neighbor, every grandparent and parent making sure I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. And my parents and my grandparents and my aunts and aunties, my siblings appreciated it. Yeah. So we've got we've to rethink who we are as a city mm -hmm. and how we think about what it takes to make sure all of yeah. our young people have what they need. Well, you know uh, what Nashville is now. It's, it's diversely segregated, right? And what happens when that when we're diversely segregated, we become in those silos, right? Mm -hmm. And we always talk about, you know, embrace diversity, embrace diversity. And a lot of times you got to be intentional about doing that, right? And that might be from the school that you're going to, to the neighborhood you're living in. Mm -hmm. um, we say we're a progressive city. Like, I tell Nashville, you got to show me. You got to prove it. And that's intentionally going into places and having proximity right. to people, to students, educators that you typically wouldn't have proximity to but that's the only way that we're going to get it get to that point to right. where we do it together as a village and i mean that and i hope people that's listening and watching this really understand like what inverse and diversity means and it's not just about the skin color mm -hmm. it's about diversity of thought right and culture Absolutely. and and, and, and this how you're thinking yeah. right and yeah. so i think that plays a huge part in mm -hmm. our public school systems and parents getting together students playing mm -hmm. and stuff with each other whether you live on the same area or mm -hmm. not um, and people understanding like, oh, okay, like I understand now why um, you don't have a bus stop or you don't have right. access. So I right. understand why you might be five to ten minutes late. Let mm -hmm. me figure out how we can carpool. Those type of things that I never thought about before, but I had to intentionally do the work. <laughs> right? Um, as an educator, I kind of want to close on this. As an educator, this has nothing to really do, I think, with public schools in general. But you're, you're a professional educator, so I'd have to ask you about um, your thoughts about the Supreme Court decision about mm. emissions and how they're pretty much said, okay, we're taking away that gender, race, mm -hmm. socioeconomic background plays a role into emissions of colleges. Now, again, that's, mm -hmm. that's on the university level, but after talking to Dr. Jackson yeah. and how is it affecting the state oh, schools, yeah. like now you gotta figure out, dang, how am I gonna do particular programming that is intentional for right. uh, impacted group, man, women, boy, girl, black, mm -hmm. white, yellow, green, Hispanic, Latinx, mm -hmm. whatever, and all the way in between. What are your thoughts on that? And does does that even trickle down a little bit or at all? Oh, or is that absolutely. So, um, in fact, Dr. Jackson and I have had this conversation. Um, so, so I, first of all, this should be top of mind for, for everyone right now. It, it will be years down the road when we really see the mm -hmm. impact of such a decision. But the work we do in pre-K-12 is really not just about pre-K-12. Mm -hmm. I mean, in Metro National Public Schools, we've moved the goalposts. Right. It is expected that our students are going to graduate from high school and receive a high school diploma. Right. We are responsible for what happens with our students when they move on to their post-secondary opportunities. So I am just as, <laughs> you know, committed to yeah. what their um, higher ed um, experiences are going to look like. I mean, mm -hmm. we're... Right now, we've launched um, Better Together with Nashville State. We've launched University MMPS with our local colleges and universities, FIS, TSU, Belmont, 
Lipscomb, Nashville states are part of that as well, and we're continuing to expand um, to ensure that we have this seamless pathway for our students. I don't see myself just as a K-12, pre-K-12 educator. Right. I am an educator. Right. That means everything about the experience of, of our students. And so as we're thinking about these seamless pathways, preparing all of our students for these great experiences, it matters to me that you know they're not going to be um, limited based upon the color of their skin, mm -hmm. their background, whatever it may be. Right. Um, it appears that a lot nationally, definitely locally, nationally that colleges and universities want to do right, right. Um, by um, our students. And our current president, Joe Biden, is kind of putting some things out there to help mm -hmm. colleges and universities really think about mm -hmm. um, how they can still make sure they can recruit um, a diverse uh, population um, of students. And we have to pay attention to that because we are the ones who are advising right. our students on their transition plans yeah. and what's next. Yeah. So it does have a great impact to us. Um, it is another one of those actions that's very disheartening, yeah. uh, particularly as we're leveling the playing field, but quite frankly, accelerating right. um, uh, with regards to how well our students are prepared right. um, for the next level. So we need to continue those conversations. We mm -hmm. cannot lose sight. Yeah. I, I, I want for our community to pay attention mm -hmm. to what's happening because all the best practices and the strategies in the world won't matter if we continue to allow these systems, these structures that will con continue to perpetuate um, segregation, racism, oppression. Like it's going to continue to be harder and harder to overcome yeah. if we're not paying attention, becoming active, voting, being involved in community, parents being engaged in right. education. Like all of that matters yeah. from the beginning all the way through what this impact could have on students when they move into their college and university experiences. Dr. Battle, look, I appreciate your time, but if there's anything else that you want to say, that you want to get off, I want to I want to leave you with the last word, but I I'm, I'm finished. I'm done. Oh, but, listen. <laughs> but if you if you got like you, you this is this has been amazing. This is epic, and I want to keep you on time. But if there's anything you want to close it out with that, that you didn't get to touch on, or that you want to extrapolate on a little more, like I want I want to leave you that opportunity. I, the only thing I'll close with is I think this your platform um, really does exemplify the need for deep conversations. Mm. Um, we sometimes are drawn to just those who agree with everything mm -hmm. that we say, have the same experiences we had, but we've got to get to a point where we can all pull up a chair yeah. and, and actually have a conversation about what's happening. I think what we'll find is that there is a lot of common ground. Mm -hmm. How you get there, how you yeah. get it solved is where we tend um, to disagree, but disagree yeah. and have the conversation. Right. So I appreciate you no, no, no. Um, for, for lending your platform, for particularly sure. to the educational space, mm -hmm. what's happening in Nashville, yep. and definitely the opportunity to reflect um, as a Nashville native on yeah. um, where we've been <laughs> and where we are today. Yeah, well, Dr. Bowden, look, you're <laughs> always welcome. Whenever you need to get some off your chest, you can do it here. You Come got it. it. You Come got it. And I appreciate your time. And next time, well, we'll, we'll talk about more. All right. All right. I appreciate you.